Welcome back, everybody. Ah, we missed you so much. Seeing your bright, beautiful faces, watching us talk about polyamory and exes last week. It's a dream come true. Thanks, so thanks for coming back. <laughs> you got Hans on the mic over here, they, them, and we got Lindsay, and we are queer retrograde, also they, she. So let's get into it, Lindsay. This is the last week of January, y'all. I can't believe that we have already almost made it through the first month of 2020. Hold on. But I we're here. How, I love how you love to make note of the date when I'm like, literally, what day is it ever? <laughs> I I feel very, this year I got this um, moon planner thing. Um, and so I feel very on it when it comes to the time whether it's like with moon phases or I'm also trying to be on my astrology shit you know and like I got calendars all over (laughs) you're like I know where I am in the solar system don't fuck with me I'm right here good for you well in terms of big news this week I really I'm dying to know did you eat anything spectacular So I spent way too much money at Trader Joe's as all good queers do. And (laughs) I like, okay, I want to know, is this a universal thing that queer people work at Trader Joe's or is this just a Richmond thing? Because- Is that why it's so much fun to go? (laughs) It is for me. I know for sure that's why for me. And so- I go there and I am trying to not eat as much sugar because I'm like high key addicted to sugar. Um, My roommate is like an amazing baker, which is lovely and amazing, but like, I'm so addicted to sugar. It's so, it's getting to the point where it's like, I'm kind of like frightened by it. So I'm trying to back off. So I see these, this snack that's like, oatmeal and yogurt snack or whatever it's just a cookie sandwich it's an oatmeal cookie sandwich (laughs) but those things are so fucking good this is not a Trader Joe's ad I swear so yeah that's pretty serious like Trader Joe's when I go down I actually have to make a decision before I even go can I afford like mentally and emotionally (laughs) financially can I afford to go down the aisle that has the snacks yeah, it's like they put them over like the breakfast food too. So it's like I know I need to go down there for those fucking hash browns, but also like as soon as I go down there, I'm like, oh, like I'm trying to get off candy, but this is just honey wrapped in dark chocolate. <laughs> That's exactly. not candy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that makes sense because every time I go down there too, the cashier is always super friendly and the conversation always slaps. I know. I know. What about you? What did you eat this week? I made a pretty spanking burrito. Like mm-hmm. I was trying to get on my Chipotle game. So bought those giant tortillas and just wrapped it all up. Made some, uh, what's it called? Like a mint chimichurri sauce that I just put on everything as soon as I make it. And yeah, it was <laughs> divine. Disgusting to watch me eat it. Like I told everyone in the room, like, look away if you want to like keep respect for me. Cause this is like <laughs> a mess. <laughs> but it's so good. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Aww, I was, I also made tacos this past week and I sent you a photo because I feel like we used to make tacos all the time when we lived by each other and the conversation I loved every single time was like 
it's not that hard to make a really good taco. Like why are there no good taco places here? But it's so true. Like, I, nothing comes to mind when I think about like, where to get a good taco. Unless it was, actually, even then, you know, don't look back. I think about burritos first before tacos. Right. So it's, yeah, it's really not that hard. And your photo was fire. I think that's what inspired my burrito. It's like, I need to wrap up some beans. We'll have to post it on the gram for everyone to see. (laughs) really good. Inside joke. (laughs) Did you uh, learn anything? Hmm. Any life lessons? Just before this, uh, before we met, I had a meeting, a tenant union meeting, and we're talking about conflict resolution. This might be a good, a good topic for us to talk with someone about on the podcast later, because we're talking about like, if there's internal conflict in the organization, or if someone in the community is having a conflict with you know, something the organization is doing or whatever, like our goal is to serve the Richmond community, you know, to build tenant power in Mm -hmm. Richmond. Mm -hmm. And so we need to come up with some sort of process to figure out how to resolve conflict. And there are, you know, organizations that have figured this shit out before. And so we're literally just like, compiling resources and diving into research about like how people do this in a sort of like ethical sustainable way because that's obviously not something that we explore a lot it's normally like well you know whoever's like the leader just makes a decision and then that's it um but how do we do that in the sort of like non-hierarchical structure I don't know. So I guess it's not really something that I learned, but more something that I is like on my mind right now. That's so much to chew. I know. There's just so many facets. I know. And I'm really excited to look at all of these resources. Like I know um, there's like an organization in Philly that has a shit ton of stuff that we're going to look at. So Stay tuned. Who knows? Maybe we'll have a podcast episode about conflict resolution later on. Hell yeah. I'm ready to take notes. Like everyone's running out of here like a bunch of toddlers in a training wheels. Like we know how to cause problems, but do we know how to fix them? No, the movie stops right after we start the problem. Yeah. Yeah. I feel extremely unqualified to be in this working group. <laughs> right. Like when I get mad, like that's great. Right. I was mad. <laughs> oh god what about you what did you what's something that you learned this week well it happened today when this gentleman interrupted a conversation with my friend and I as we were just minding our own business over by Browns Island but he said something that I feel like we all kind of know but we forget but the answer is in the question mm. so just marinate on that because I marinated on that I need to talk to my diary later about it because now I'm concerned about all the questions that I've been asking. And I'm like, mm, am I really asking the right questions or am I just avoiding the answers inside of my own questions? Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of times when we 
ask ourselves questions and we say we're marinating on it, we aren't actually. We think about it for like five seconds and then we move on or we journal about it for 30 minutes and then we don't talk about, we don't think, you know, like it, what does it mean to actually marinate on something? Because we're moving at such a quick pace all the time and like we're receiving, we're consuming, like there's way too much input, I feel, Mm -hmm. to actually like sit and marinate. Like when you marinate like a piece of tofu or chicken or whatever you let that shit sit in the fridge for how many hours overnight or something like (laughs) okay I don't know how fast you're moving but I can okay I can relate to what you're saying but also what this man's told me before he left he's like you need to get on your knees more I was like excuse me he's like to to pray Mm. to pray and I was like oh like okay in my mind that translates into straight up like access like that inner silence to get to your knowing because we all can like find the answers if we just shut up long enough and I think that does take at least a solid, like just 10 minutes maybe of like really just like just shutting the fuck up. Like I'd like to do it right before bed if I can remember to, but even then it's hard to even re- to like remember to marinate, but I think maybe it's just a matter of, you know, like alchemy, you know, if you like slow down time enough, is it really about the time, Lindsay? Or is it mm. just about, you know, the intent? Yeah. Action. Mm-hmm. I guess that's the thing is like I'm like is there really a true 10 minutes for me (laughs) I don't even know if there is (laughs) dog right that's what I'm saying though you remember how like we used to write together over the summer and we would do these Mm. prompts and write for 10 minutes sometimes that 10 minutes was two minutes a lot Mm. of times that 10 minutes was we were here for days I was like yeah I can't write about this thing that long Mm-hmm. not that much to say and then around the corner they're actually oh shit there is I just needed to marinate full circle so true mm-hmm. what'd you see this week something good you saw or bad <laughs> or whatever you want to share my eye holes actually perceived a pretty interesting movie which I feel like the question goes beyond movies but I really want to mention this movie mm-hmm. because it really slapped me have you seen locked down with Anne Hathaway no she's going by Annie now <laughs> but lockdown is pretty good just because <laughs> it's COVID times but in the UK and it's this couple who just broke up and they're like um in isolation right after this breakup and just all of the dialogue all of the interactions like they're on a couple of zoom calls she works for like some corporate company and she has to like fire a bunch of, it just everything is just so visceral it's one of those movies where like it's almost just too soon but also like not soon enough like <laughs> This was so validating. Like every piece of dialogue, I was talking to my mom about. She, oh, I had to turn that thing off. <laughs> it was way too intense. Like, yeah, like every single thing that they say, you're like, I can relate to that. Yeah. Very, very, almost too viscerally heavy. Like, were they watching me? I think this is what that plot was when they put microphones in our phones, because mm. the movie hit it. Yeah, I I've been like wondering about this. If I could watch something that is in a pandemic when I'm in a pandemic I don't know you should watch contagion I hear that one's really pleasant <laughs> that's the starting point and then I'll move on to this other movie that you watched oh my god did you witness anything so I told you that I reorganized my whole room today mm-hmm. because I wanted to make more room for activities mm-hmm. and I also <laughs> needed to make more space for plants yeah because I'm about to start um, some seedlings for my garden. 
And so to make room for the seedling trays, I had to move all the house plants into my room. So I was looking at my plants and I saw like this really weird looking like scale thing on one of my giant cactus. Like this is a huge cactus, like multiple feet tall. And mm -hmm. it was just like, it looked like it had white slime dripped over top of it. And then the slime like sol solidified into like a flaky scale or something. What? I was like, what is this? I have to find out what this is. <laughs> so I text Val oh. um, who is my plant go-to people via plants on Instagram. And she says, oh no. Uh, that, oh. those things are the the plant will live fine with them, but it's going to be very difficult to get rid of. She said, "Are any of them? Um, do any of them not have the scale on it?" And I was like, "Yeah, there's one little piece that doesn't." She's like, "Break it off and start over." I was like, "Damn, I have to say goodbye to this huge ass cactus." Sacrifice. <laughs> oh. God. So I, I didn't listen. I, <laughs> <laughs> of course not. <laughs> I did break off the piece and start anew. Mm -hmm. However, I still kept the old one. Cause I was like, if it's, if it's just, if the worst thing is that it's kind of ugly, you know, as it's fighting this off, right. like I, I have neem oil, which will help get rid of this, um, this disease or whatever. And so it's just going to look kind of ugly for a while until it works itself out. I'm fine with that. We That's all cool. do that. Like we yeah. all get a little ugly. So, we get a little ugly sometimes. You know, we don't get thrown out. Right. <laughs> Hang in there. We put on a face mask. It's going to be all right. So, but that's what I saw. And I was like, oh, I, it's one of those things where you're like, wow, if I just would have been a little bit more attentive. I don't know if you could have called that. Like when something just starts oozing, like it's oozed. Oozed <laughs> happened. It's, it's done. Don't blame yourself. It could happen in any plant. Yeah, it's true. But I did quarantine that plant away from the rest of my plants, so it's all good. <laughs> I hear the word quarantine in relation to literally anything else. <laughs> I'm gonna lose it. <laughs> you keep that plant near the other plants. Let them live their best life. I also had this idea for our Instagram that you could post about um, um, sh TV shows and movies because, <laughs> listen, y'all, Hobbs has the best suggestions always, and I feel like our audience should be blessed. <laughs> they should be blessed. I got to curate a list, actually. Yeah, I always wanted to put together all my favorite pieces of media, so... I'd be more than happy to share that. There's so Amazing. much bad media I've sifted through <laughs> to oh get my to God. this point. I'm more than happy to share. Oh my God, yes. And it's funny, as you were talking about plants, I was like, we should throw you like a seed shower instead of like a baby shower, like a seed shower. Like you just get a bunch of different kinds of seeds from your friends one day. And I don't know if you plant them that day, but it would just be a variety of things. Yeah, that would be nice. I definitely hope that someday I have a seed collection that is worth doing like a seed exchange with Ooh. people because right now I'm such a newbie but I see you community efforts I know I love it 
um okay so the interview we have for y'all this week is so exciting i'm so excited about this one um becca schwartz is a, a dear friend of the pod and this person is so chill so interesting so thoughtful um i've known becca for a while now loosely through friends and such and Hobbs also and so we knew that we wanted to have Becca on the pod to talk Becca. about Becca. yes to talk about their work um so we we talked about a lot of stuff including gender and so we just want to throw out uh the sort of definition of gender that we found on the interweb so <laughs> that anyone that is curious about you know what we're chatting about um this is what we found Hobbs would you like to so uh word on the street is it's either 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 of the two sexes you know male or female especially when considered with reference to social and cultural differences rather than biological ones biological ones are usually associated with like one sex this term is also used more broadly to denote a range of identities that do not correspond to established ideas of male and female so that right there feels just like the jumping point to like so many, so many different kinds of conversations you could have about like gender roles, gender expression, gender identity. Like, what is it? Where is it? How does it work for you? Everyone is so different. Like, I'll never forget the first time when I was taking a, um, it was like feminist theory class. And my professor asked me like, well, what makes a penis a penis? And I was like, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, well, no, like every single like, penis is different <laughs> so and it's that's the case with everything right in terms of all body parts in terms of like what we're using as like these basic quote-unquote basic uh markers of like something larger of, of like your identity like your gender but it's like when you really take your time and like take it apart everything is always different so why not just acknowledge that so i think Lindsay and i you know in terms of like the whole they them life or they she you know it's just it's that i don't know if, but for you it's like the freedom to just kind of explore that without really getting caught up in this idea that it needs to be one way or the other or how it was taught, but you can always just kind of flow through it and kind of put on what works for you and take it off when you don't want to and don't really have to think about it as like the stagnant part of your identity. And I think not only do we share that together, but also like Becca was in on mm -hmm. that too. So totally. So in this conversation, we're gonna definitely be chatting about gender. We're gonna talk about how it's a, it's a societal structure that we love to question, all of us. And Becca is a photographer. So we'll talk about how photography is used to frame gender, whether it's used as a weapon or if it's used for progress. Um, Becca has also been doing a lot of sweet landscape photography and talking about how to sort of pay reparations to the indigenous communities that that land belongs to. Um, and also Becca's living in Las Vegas during the <laughs> pandemic, which is fucking wild to me. And I loved hearing about that. So let's go ahead and get into it. It's pretty awesome. If y'all want to see the photos that we're talking about, they're lit or shown on the uh, Instagram. So enjoy. All right. So guys, we've got another very cool guest with us today. Becca Schwartz is joining us to talk about gender photography. So 
As we usually start our episodes, can you give us your name, pronouns, and where are you right now? Hey, my name is Becca, like you said. Um, my pronouns are anything you want because I'm sick of trying to figure it out. And I'm in Las Vegas, Nevada currently. What? Yeah. It's How is it? pretty sick out here. Wow. So you're like, so... Okay, I feel like when most people think of Las Vegas, they obviously think of like the strip, the casinos, blah, blah, blah. But you're like outside of that, like in the like dune. No, no, I'm in it. I'm like, my house is off the strip. It's not exactly on the strip, but there's like a street that's the strip and it kind of veers to the right. And I'm in that little pocket. Uh Um, I don't have a car. So I decided this is where I need to exist right now. And um, it's, you know, there are cons. I got catcalled three times last night and I was walking to the corner of where I live. So like it's, that's the kind of existence it is. But also, oh my God, it's so beautiful. And you can see cons <laughs> everywhere and, and everyone's just like, I don't know. I don't know. There's some vibe out here that I can't get over. I feel like that's where people, it just gives off like a wanderlust kind of vibe where like just the desert in general, I feel like whether it's New Mexico or like Albuquerque or whatever you want to talk about, like in terms of desert, but like it definitely attracts like the wanderer, I feel yeah. like. That's definitely true. And the colors out here, like the buildings are just, are brilliant and they were all built in a time period that I really like. And it's just, it's bright, it's exciting. I don't know. Wow. wow. Every, but how has it been in the pandemic? Because there's not really as much as many like tourists right so has it been like very sort of strangely quiet um I so when I first got here I was living at a youth hostel and um I was also working there Mm -hmm. and the pandemic hit and my mom she's very she takes care of me she's awesome and she said you need to get out of that hostel I mean there's travelers from all over the world it's a it's a pandemic get out so she found a family friend who has a house out here, which is insane. I can't believe that's a thing. Um, <laughs> so I stayed out there for a couple months and it was, I don't know, it was kind of awful. It was the suburbs. Granted, I was safe and it was you know, good for me, but man, I was so bored. So, um, God, I don't even remember your question. How, like in the pandemic, how has it been? Because is it like super quiet with less tourists and stuff? I think we'd hope that it was quieter, but I, I haven't seen much of a difference. I haven't gone down the strip much at all, but when I have, it's been um, pretty disappointingly crowded. Wow. Yeah, I was shooting a wedding on the strip in like July and it was more packed than I'd ever seen it. It was terrifying. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh, no. Shooting a wedding. <laughs> why? <laughs> so I guess, why is photography your chosen medium? Well, um, that's a that's a wild question. I I wouldn't say I even chose photography. As a kid, I did a lot of art. I drew. I sewed. Um, in high school, I got into video, and then I guess I remember wanting something more specific that I could like dig into, and one frame just felt better. So mm-hmm. I moved to photography, and then I've been you know I've been doing it ever since. I guess the follow up to that, as soon as we like landed you in this podcast, I was like, well, how does like a photographer like know like when to take a photo? Like for me, it's just like, mm, I don't know, point and click. 
and even when I try to be like you know one of those sneaky friends who will like take cute photos when no one's really looking trying to get like candid you know shots and stuff like that like how do you know like is it like all about curation or is it just straight up like a vibe it's like I so it's, I guess it's different for every photographer um you know I go out with my friends and they're taking pictures constantly but I gotta say I'm I'm really picky maybe to a fault I'll go on a trip for a week with my camera I'll never pull out my camera but when I see it it's like stop the car like that's what I'm gonna shoot so I look for a bunch of different things put together it's everything has to be in the sunlight like it just mm. it has to be no shadows it has to be bright and then the cropping has to be okay I can get on my car I can move around but I have to make sure I can get the exact composition I'm needing and I've been shooting nature a lot recently so it's kind of hard to if you're standing on the ground shooting that the perspectives aren't great but if you're like standing up taller it can look a little I don't know, just some look that I'm going for. So I'm very specific and that could be to a fault, but I really, it takes me forever to take a picture. That's cool to think about the gravity that even brings you towards those like criteria, just like sunlight in and of itself. Like so many people, I guess when you're confined to like photography as in general, what you can access in terms of creating like a photo, I imagine just like ever, it's usually indoors, right? But for you, I don't really see like a lot of wildlife photos, but you are generally always outside like in the sun. So that's really cool to think that like, that's like always on purpose. Right, yeah. I didn't used to use the sun as much. I was definitely like more studio oriented, but I've realized it's my best source of light. I mean, it's incredible. It's my favorite thing in the whole world. Yeah. And you, you were shooting photography on like a cruise ship for a while, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. Do you that was feel it. like that attributed to your desire to have sunlight and everything? Because when you're on a cruise ship, you're either like in kind of like a dungeon, right? Mm -hmm. Of like the rooms, or you're like on top of this ship, like in the sun. That's really funny that you mentioned that because I learned my most recent use of flash on that ship. They, mm -hmm. I would, I'd have to take portraits of people on deck three, which I say that no one knows what that is. It's just, it's just <laughs> a deck that wraps around the outside of the ship. And we'd go to like Glacier Bay. It's this place in Alaska. And I'd have to take pictures of people outside, but they're backlit. And I don't know why no one taught me this concept or why I didn't know it. All you do is you, you meter to the outside and then you turn your flash on as bright as it needs to be to make them as bright as the background. And so <laughs> that's how I shoot now. If, I, if there's someone in front of a background, I'll light to the background and then I'll use a flash and fill, fill in the light there there's no shadows I don't allow shadows <laughs> no shadows allowed <laughs> so telling I mean it looks so good too just like aesthetically if you scroll through your Instagram or your website or something like everything does have that really sort of like bright energy to it mm -hmm. and it's just like really aesthetically pleasing except especially for just like someone who is super solar powered like me. Like I literally have a Lumi lamp sitting on right now behind my computer. Um, so yeah, I definitely, I, I feel that come through. Thank you. Um, so we kind of want to dive in a little bit to this like idea of gender in photography. And I know just from seeing some of your work that obviously this is just kind of like an inherent thing I think in art in general it's this weird thing where people are like oh you make art about this or you make art about that when a lot of times it's like 
No, I'm just like inherent, like I'm just like a queer person. So this is just like an inherent thing that happens when I make art. Like, oh my God, that is so true. It's a way of life. (laughs) (laughs) But I guess like, so maybe you can speak to that if there, because there's also sort of multiple dimensions that you use photography in. It sounds like, like you have sort of this, these like weddings that you photograph I'm assuming for more money and then there are there's like this photography work that's maybe a little bit more like landscape focused that is just something that you feel called to and then I know you have done portraiture work in the past um so maybe you can speak to like when you feel the most desire to like touch on kind of like questioning gender in in your photography like what what area maybe that lies in the most or the least or when you feel most excited about it right um I I took so many portraits and self-portraits in college I've really stopped doing that as much and I've I've tried to get back to it but I try not to push myself in a way that doesn't feel natural um but definitely in college I had it had been like eight years into me trying to figure out my gender and I was was so tired and so sick of it I, I don't, I guess I just kind of let it all go in photography. I did this project where I created a bunch of characters that I saw in myself, just like little pieces. And I think it was me trying to like divide myself and put myself in all these boxes just to maybe be able to see it a little more clearly and be able to figure anything out. Um, so I made a bunch of characters and um, they all explored different parts. So like I had a nonchalant drunk man who I don't, I've always wanted to become an old man and I've been a little sad that I'm, I'm going to end up an old woman and I've come to terms with it, but I definitely wanted that vibe of like, you know, just an old drunk man who has no partner and has no care. Um, and then I had a hot dog who was like this obnoxious part of my personality, just that wouldn't stop screaming and making jokes. It just annoys everyone. And hot dog's not a human, not has no gender, is just a hot dog. that was my genderless character that was my maybe my favorite one that's tight especially when like just wearing a onesie in general in public definitely brings that energy of like Mm -hmm. wearing that costume in public has given me so many experiences i'm so happy i have (laughs) you still have it oh yeah of course it's the best costume i've ever seen like in my life (laughs) well made it's cotton breathable y'all moisture wick (laughs) that's awesome but now you live in an area where it's probably the least absurd thing to like wear that costume in public right oh my god I never even thought about that I don't have it out here it's in Maryland okay bring it out here gotta get it shipped like no one even does a double take of the hot dog because you're just on the strip and there's so much going on Truly. Dude, but I could like, I could pay people to take pictures with me. Maybe I I'm gonna think about that a little bit. That's interesting. <laughs> I feel like, yeah. Tried, so much of Vegas I've is done, reckless. Sorry, what? I was just saying, so much of Vegas is reckless. You totally should go on though. Oh my god, it is. It definitely is. But I've tried to um go to hot dog vendors in Richmond, and I asked if I could be their mascot, and that it didn't work out. And one guy <laughs> he was scared of me. He kicked me out. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, like for five dollars. I mean, just even if you just hung up for an hour, 
Right. I'm like, I'm run go. around screaming your name. Like people will see this. Mm-hmm. When I was selling popsicles, if someone dressed up in a popsicle suit came up to me and was like, can I be your mask? I'd be like, oh, yeah, you can have all my tips <laughs> if you do that. I really thought it was going to be quite a success, but it did not work out. Yeah. yeah. Richmond is, they're like, that doesn't go with our hipster Portlandia vibe. <laughs> 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 Aesthetic. Do you have a favorite like gender bending piece of work that you've done? Um, you know, my obvious answer is that drunk man in my portrait, um, in my character shoots. But honestly, I took this picture of my friend Grace, um, took it about two years ago, I think. And there's something I really like about it. It's them standing in the West and it's like right near Monument Valley. So it's got all those buttes sticking up. And it just looks like a picture that you'd see in like an old Western film of like this hero, but it's this queer person and they have this giant neck cut in their, right in their throat because they had just had um, thyroid surgery. And it's, I don't know, it it appeals to me in a lot of ways because they don't look like a woman, they don't look like a man, but they look tough, but they have earrings on and it's, I just love it. Hell yeah. That sounds so good. Is this on the internet? Can we look at it somewhere? It is on the internet. It's on my website. It's also on my Instagram. Um, Just scroll down and you'll find it. (laughs) Okay, cool. I'm curious too about, there's sort of like a story. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a goodie. So good. Like there's something about photography that is kind of, you can take it as far or as, or like as far as you want in terms of like creating a story or a narrative to it. Um, I feel like sort of like what you just did where you were like, you know, it's this old Western, like tough person, but wearing earrings. Like, um, I'm wondering if you, cause I know, like, I kind of have this idea of a story in my head of like what your work if I look at a piece of your work, I'm like, oh, th- like, yes, they, it all kinds of, kind of has this like general story that I put together in my head, I feel like, but I'm wondering what your story is. If you like, look at your work, you're like, oh, this is the story that, that I like the narration that comes up in my head. Right. That, that is a good question. I like that. I'm a little curious about what your story is, but <laughs> <laughs> I'll start with mine. Um, my my short story is everything's a lie. Don't trust photography because I'm I'm lying to you. It's all perspective. And if if someone looks at my photo and is questioning the reality of what they're seeing, I, then that's it. That's I've succeeded. That's all I want. Mm-hmm. I feel like I just like flash to like a moment of like in history where you know like in today's present generation, everyone's like, oh, like, where are all these queer people coming from? And it's like, right, we've always been here, always have been here. So in turn with that, with your photography of like the Western thing, it's like, there, yeah, of course there were hella like queer cowboys out there, like mm-hmm. doing what they wanted to do. And like, just you, right. like, the absence of re- representation just can get lost and you think it never existed, but. Right. But that's also a big thing about photography is what was being photographed, what was being documented. So mm-hmm. people see it as proof. They say this wasn't shot, so it can't exist. But it's all perspective. Who's been taking the pictures? Who's writing the story? 
Mm -hmm. Well, we don't think about that because photography started as a science and it's still seen a lot of times as a science and it's, it's not, it can't be seen as fact. It's so scary. Yeah, I might even think about it like that, but it totally is. Mm. It's, it's always used as like the evidence or the truth or like. It wasn't even why. an art to begin with. We had to fight into the art world. People saw it as a science. So it's, it's weird that now we only see it as an art and, and we, but it is being used as this fact behind the curtains that we're not really thinking about. So uh, don't trust your photographs. That's all I'm saying. I mean, when you finally get access to those mirrors where it's like, this is how you actually look to people, you're like, oh God, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> but of course though, like, yeah, like you think you know what you look like, but you don't know what you look like all day. And even if you do, it's your own perspective. So it just doesn't yeah. mean it's, it's irrelevant. Everyone's perspective is irrelevant because everyone has their own anyways. Mm-hmm. It totally is attitude driven. There's this, like, I feel like I read a tweet recently or something that was like, you would never, you know, you would never look at a, a picture of the moon and say, oh, like that moon just doesn't look like that moon just doesn't look good. Like that moon sucks. Like obviously the moon doesn't look good in a fucking photo, but then like, that's all we do is we just look at photos of ourselves and we're like, ew, why do we look so bad? It's like, duh, because it's a photograph. Like that's not real. Oh my God. It honestly gives me so much more like respect for Gen X with their like from the bottom photos and they'll be like, this is my new profile picture. I'm like, Molly, go from above at least. Like, damn, give yourself the gift of a good angle. What do you think about this thing of like everyone is a photographer now? Like everyone has an iPhone, everyone's has a TikTok, everyone's making like video on TikTok, you know, like right. I mean, societally, I don't care. Like, let's see what happens. But Uh job-wise, yeah, I'm kind of scared. I mean, they Mm -hmm. don't really need me. And for something that I want to do, like, I ventured into graphic design, but all I want to do is take pictures of people and of things. That's it. But it's like, that job is so hard to find now because everything's like, take pictures of it, put it, make a website, put it on the website, advertise for us. And it's just like, it's too involved. I just want to take pictures. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So is, is that what your job was when you did the cruise ship thing? You were just taking photos? Yeah, actually, we would give our um, SD cards away. That's my favorite thing. If I can give away my SD card at the end, I, that's a good job. <laughs> uh... Yeah, I mean, obviously, there was customer service, which was unfortunate, but it wasn't <laughs> like advertising. I hate advertising. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I worked in social media for a bit and I'm just like, that shit is soul sucking. <laughs> what I'm doing right now, it's driving me mad. It's nuts. And you're just like, do I work for Mark Zuckerberg now? Because I really feel like I do. Essentially. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like must be proficient. Like I saw a job ad and I was like, oh, maybe I could do it. But then you realize how much work actually goes into like navigating. It's like, you have to be an expert at TikTok. I'm like, I've only been on this thing like maybe twice. I wouldn't even know how to like something yet. But it's like the proficiency, mm-hmm. such a skill. It's so true. Yeah, They're, they expect you to be a master at everything. It's really, um, it's a lot. Yeah. So do you mostly take sort of like freelance um, photography jobs now in, in Las Vegas or what what do you normally what does your sort of like photo ritual look like in terms of like paid work and unpaid work and that sort of thing yeah um ideally it's freelance right now i have 
I have two and a half jobs. So mm. one of them is I'm making movie posters for this really weird company. I don't, I can't even talk that much about it, but I just, I'm just making really horrible movie posters. Like it's, it's, it's insane. It's just a really weird job. Um, the other one is I'm doing freelance for this company. So they get hired. I just recently had to like help this guy he published a book and we were marketing his book um, through social media, Facebook, Instagram, all that. And then my other job, which I love the most, and it's my half job, is I go out and take pictures of advertisements on the Westgate Hotel. That's it. Wait, already made advertisements or you like take photos for the advertisement? They're already made and I, I think I'm documenting it and I'm, I'm, I've never asked. And I've had this job for two years and I got it through Craigslist. But I think they're either the company that's advertising and they want to show the companies like, hey, your ads are up. Or they're specifically hired from the companies that want to see their ads up. Interesting. I don't get it. But it's so <laughs> like meta. Ads <laughs> <laughs> actually happen, and we need to know. Then you, the, the next job is like your coworker, like uh, photographs like the reactions to such ads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's random, and I could have never thought that job up myself, but the guy I work for is really nice and I get to go on a walk. So, you know, what more can you ask for? That job somehow fits with your vibe. Right? <laughs> this is why. I would love this job for, for a long time. It really, it feels like my lifestyle. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean, like you said earlier, just taking photos, walking around. Yeah. I'm really curious about the movie poster one. Like, do you find yourself, because I feel like any movie poster ever, like when you look at them now, like even ones from like only five years ago, they look so outdated already. Mm-hmm. I guess, do you find yourself inventing different, like, I guess, tropes or repeated compositions for those? Or are you like kind of do your own thing? I definitely do that. And what's weird is that the films that I'm working with are usually from the, the 40s, the 50s. So I kind of have to go back to those tropes to like relate to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, I'm not given much. Like they give me an image and sometimes the font is horrible and they say replace the font, but it's not a layered file. So I spend my time Photoshopping it to get the font out of it or like to get all these things out of it. And it's like, I'm working with pieces and I, I'm putting it together. I'm using stock images. I'm telling you it's shitty, but like <laughs> I'm having a good time, you know? Tedious, damn. <laughs> so how, okay, this is a thing with any, I feel like art that you have sort of like the thing that you like to do and the thing that you would do all the time, but you obviously have bills. So then you have these other jobs that are maybe like loosely related, but clearly not the thing. Um, Can you talk about how you are able to like stay sort of true to your values and like the things that feel important to you in your own personal work, um, like even though you're kind of doing photography still to make money, like how do you kind of navigate that or where is the line, I guess? Right, um, personally, I don't know if I have much of a line in terms of like selling my soul to make money. I kind of have no problem doing that, I always thought this is these are the kind of jobs I would end up with so yeah, I'm not really surprised but in terms of <laughs> in terms of like art and um creating things for other people to see and perceive that definitely changes things because 
ethics are a huge deal just when it comes to thinking about other people's feelings and how you want how you want people to feel when they look at their your stuff so i've i've definitely gone through like a couple years of just trying to think how the hell am i going to ethically do photography that seems impossible because photography is so violent in its own way and has just such a horrible history of racism of anti-semitism it's been used in eugenics um so every time you pick up a camera you kind of have this history that you have to consider so it all kind of culminated when I was taking photos for this band and they wanted pictures out west. So I was going out west anyway and I took this picture of Monument Valley, which is a Navajo run park. And I'm realizing, okay, I'm, I'm gonna use this for the cover, but it's a band, it's mostly white people in the band. And that, that seems off. So I went in, I did my research. I paid some uh, DNA people for information and what I heard was acknowledgement and reparations. And those were like the key factors of how I'm gonna use these photographs and not um, be stealing from people, you know, even though I still kind of am to do it in a more ethical and acknowledging way. Um, anyways, I didn't, we didn't use the photo for the cover cause that just felt inappropriate, but that led me on a couple years of just trying to consider all this. Um, so now with my photography, since I've been doing mostly nature, um, I've had that same thought of I'm on native land and I'm shooting their, this, this photo of the nature and then they have no acknowledgement and I'm putting it out and I'm selling it. And it's like, it's just, you're skipping a step. Mm -hmm. So I've landed on 30% um, of all my nature photos go to the indigenous tribe that resides on the land that the photo was shot on. And, you know, it's not everything, but it's something. And I also tell the people where it was taken I send them, you guys have seen that map where you can look at your um, location and it tells you what tribe you're, you're living on. Mm -hmm. I've used that a lot. I've contacted a lot of tribes trying to figure out how to do this and it seemed to be the best way. So that's what I'm working with right now. But you know, as I move forward, it's something you always have to consider, especially as a photographer, because this tool is so dangerous and people don't think about that enough at all like I've never heard anyone really acknowledge that when they're out taking photos in the wild it's just like regardless of whether or not it's an influencer to just like a friend of just like I'm here it's beautiful right. <laughs> look at my green juice with it like that's so great <laughs> that's so deep that's awesome and there's a there's a big part I feel like when you say you know photography can be so violent that mm. makes me think about like consent or the lack of consent a lot of times of like, who the hell knows how many photos of me are in the world that I don't even know about. I don't even know what they're used for. I don't even know, you know? And it's like, that's just kind of wild to think. I mean, my partner and I, we have had three separate occasions where we have just been literally sitting on a rock at Belle Isle and some random ass person will scream at us and be like, hey, I just took a photo of you guys. Are you on Facebook? Oh my three God. Times. Three times. For real? Yes. Three times? Three, three separate times, like months apart from each other. Whoa. And the last time I literally was just like, fuck off. <laughs> cute at first but like please mind your business oh, oh my gosh I've never heard of have this I, when they have a camera it's like they they can do no wrong and honestly maybe that's why I've stuck away from portraiture it's it's mm. terrifying now like I just can't bring myself to I don't know go like I really would love to be a street photographer but that feels cruel mm. 
Right. I actually have this book now. You remember the Instagram humans of Instagram or humans of New York? Yes. Oh my God. So good. But it's like, I've got the book now and like, it's wild to like read all the stories, but it kind of makes you like, as you saying that, I just know rereading the book is going to be so different with the lens of like, were you responsible with these stories? Like with these children that you just photographed? Like how did you you go about that? Like, how did it? Wow. That's I'd love to hear about the consent behind that that story. It seemed like most of them were posed. So I'd assume there was consent, but with the kids, I'm curious about that. Yeah. And of course, who's doing it? Whose lens is it through? It's not even that. It's like, what, what what's the end result? Who are you seeing it through? Right. Like in New York, you know? You're never that far from like that cringe photo that like so many missionaries have of like, <laughs> look at all the good yep. I did. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. just children need you to leave <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah but to pivot a bit can you tell like one of my favorite photo projects that you did was on Instagram where I think I guess you can tell more about it but it was the project where it was you presented yourself differently on the site and I guess it was just for shits and giggles to kind of see how people were going to take you in differently or like respond like the process through that what was it called that was I can't believe you brought that up that was so long ago um that okay (laughs) It had just been so long Mm -hmm. that I'd been saying, I don't want to dress like this. And people kept saying, why not? You should, you look so good. And it, it drove me mad to a point where I said, fuck all of you. I'm going to do it. You're going to see how horrible it is. And then we're never going to talk about it again. That is not what happened at all. People mostly complimented me and told me that I looked you know, really good because I clearly was wearing makeup and dressing well. But um, I kind of think I also just wanted to prove to myself that it wasn't something I wanted. Looking back, the project is very binary. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I thought about gender. I said, you don't want to be feminine, but I'd, I'd never considered another way to be feminine besides how I'd been raised to think of it. So mm-hmm. when I did this project, I dressed, I wore a lot of makeup, I wore nail polish, which I hate nail polish like it drives me mad just the feeling of it on my fingers like I want to explode so I shouldn't have you know like I was pushing myself in ways I knew I didn't want to be um and I think I wrote off femininity for a long time not because of this project but because of how I I decided to live my life and I was terrified of it and I saw how feminine people were treated and I said I don't want to be treated like that you know so I think I lost a lot of femininity um thank God, a couple of years ago, I made that realization and, you know, started exploring it in different ways. Like you can wear a skirt and still look pretty masculine. Um, so you just got to find what works. But that project was basically me trying to tell everyone else to fuck off. It was so acidic. I loved it. Like <laughs> every photo, it was just a very acidic, fuck you. Like this is what you want. It came through so palpably, obviously like, yeah, it was a long time ago, but I remember seeing that and being like, holy shit. <laughs> I'm glad it came through because it didn't for everyone. My mom asked for like a print of one of the pictures. I was like, oh. that's not the point. <laughs> mom. <laughs> It'd be like that though. It's like as soon as you signal one little thing of like femininity, if you didn't really care for that shit growing up, and like, oh my God, you're finally home. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, which is like I'm done. No. no, but what's weird is that I was feminine for a part of my life. I went back and forth. I have the weirdest gender history. Like if you just look at me in different pictures of my life, I'm going, 
woman, man, woman, man, nothing, woman. I'm going back and forth. And it's very, I, it must have been confusing for my family, honestly. Because <laughs> it sure as hell was for me. Right? Uh, I mean, yeah. 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 Well, <clears throat> you say like you can use any pronouns for me um, because I'm like so tired of trying to figure out what pronouns work. Um, but you have clearly done a lot of like deep introspective work trying to like that's what I'm saying like I'm tired I don't want to do it (laughs) honestly yeah and none of the pronouns really hurt to hear and I think I'm very lucky in that way so Mm -hmm. I might as well dive into that yeah but you do you feel like you um you still function in the same way as you that you did when you were a kid where you kind of like there are some moments where you're feeling like super femme and then some moments where you're like no I'm a man like use he him fuck off yes but there's no way to tell anyone that you can't be like okay if for the next hour I am he him you know so you just have to hope and you you know dress yourself in a certain way where maybe someone will say he I don't know yeah yeah it's it's impossible really it's exhausting. I remember like feeling so exhausted and like afraid of like the binary of like, oh my God, if I don't feel like a woman, like I have to be a, I have to be a man. Like what the fuck? And then like being in a gender class, and, like, oh, actually there's such a thing as like in between like non-binary and just totally off like this spectrum anywhere near like the binary whatsoever. And I was like, holy shit. Like, thank God there's actually something there for it. But even then, like sometimes it's exactly what you're describing where it's like hour to hour. Like if you actually could put out, you know, a beacon of this is what I am doing right now. Like people just can't I don't know I pray for the day we're all able to like actually be as fluid as like we actually are in terms of like our verbiage with that but yeah I I know for me too sometimes it'll surprise me like the other day I was like getting takeout and this person was like oh here's your food sir and I was like my like chest puffed up and I was like yes I am sir it's always activated like I swear to god like every day at work it's like 50% people are they're just so adamant too like oh you're a woman or you're a man and they're so adamant and it's just like I'll be whatever you want me to be but I swear to god no matter what I do if I make you think the other thing like you just hope it's not like a violent response for them feeling or insecure yeah but then I was like when that happened to me and my chest puffed up I was like is that just my internalized misogyny being like, <laughs> yeah, you want to be a man? <laughs> <laughs> it can't all be bad. <laughs> it's hard to know the difference. Yeah, I can't ever find the line. I know exactly what you're talking about. I have no idea. I have no answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's floating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you feel like uh, you have? a wardrobe now that you have been able to come to a consensus of of like yes this feels right and appropriate for me or do you feel like you will you'll still probably find yourself needing to go back to those outfits you wore in that project every once in a while just to make sure (laughs) well you know I have eyeliner that I've been carrying since high school and I I've used it maybe four times in the past eight years so I have eyeliner. That's the one thing I probably kept from Becky, who was the alter ego of me, who was a preppy girl. Um, <laughs> but in terms of wardrobe, that's my biggest struggle. I hate, I hate wardrobe. I hate getting dressed, hate choosing clothes. When I'm supposed to look professional, oh great, now I really have to be femme or masculine because there's no real non-binary formal wear. It's like 
a shirt and pants or a skirt and dress. I have I can't figure it out. It drives me mad. But um, I don't know. In terms of clothes, I can't even talk about that right now. I've been in quarantine this whole time. I have no clothes. <laughs> I feel <Yeah>. you. Pops <laughs> and I were talking about that. Like Hobbs and I were talking movie. about that for a minute because Hobbs was just like, I think you said something about like, I just, I just fucking can't. I just, I have nothing that I like. Like I've been wearing the same shit for <laughs> every day. Like, yeah, just the same cartoon uniform every single day. And now I'm worried for summer to come back around. Cause I'm like, that was when it was even harder, at least like in the winter, like just put on a jacket. But like, I guess you're always in the sun with Vegas, but. It's, it's cold. It's I was cold. Really cold. Oh. I don't know if I've become like a wimp, but I'm freezing. <laughs> it's a dry cold. I know they say yeah. it's a dry heat, but they don't say mm-hmm. it's a dry cold. And it whips and it Blister. hits you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So what my limit. <laughs> what do you feel like? Are you so obviously you want to keep your a uh, billboard photography job for as long as you possibly can <laughs> <laughs> but what else do you feel like is is next for you are you kind of riding out quarantine in the vegas or what do you think um it's a great question because it's something i ask myself every day and still don't have an answer to <laughs> but i want to be in vegas post quarantine because i moved here about three months before quarantine so I feel like I haven't really gotten to experience the Las Vegas I was looking for Mm -hmm. um granted I've gotten the nature down which is really nice but I think I uh, I don't know but I think I want to go to grad school because I think I'd like to dive more into graphic design Mm -hmm. um I think in my life I'd be pretty happy if I was making covers so like albums books movies whatever so graphic design, anything with typography, you know, I should probably learn how to do that technically correct. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm kind of considering Canada. Canada. <laughs> yep. Wow. Um, my mom's working to try to become a resident there and she's invited my sister and I. And so it's something to consider, you know, there's requirements for how long you have to be there out of the year and trying to figure out how realistic that is, but mm-hmm. I think that could exist in Canada. If you want it, you can get it. <laughs> Especially with your mom, look with a residential, like dipping the toe in there. I mean, that helps a lot. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, she's if she's pulling the te- the technical work, I can definitely hop on this. Oh yeah. Thanks, call. mom. But I'm also like, as much as I hate the U.S., I love the U.S. It's my home, and we have all the nature. I'm mm-hmm. like really in my desert vibe. There's no desert in Canada. You know, mm-hmm. I'm in tundra. <laughs> Tundra's a bitch. You're in your desert vibe. <laughs> that is definitely part of the story that I put together for your work, which includes like <clears throat> probably like a 40-year-old man that bought an RV because he was just sick of the daily grind. And then he <laughs> took it out into the desert. And then he just like started like digging himself a hole to like keep the water in or something um and then like the type of guy that like if he just drove past a cow or something he'd be like oh pull over just like milk the cow for like a stack (laughs) oh my god (laughs) damn 
or like like the type of guy that doesn't really interact with humans that much but like definitely interacts with animals like all the time like um whether it's for food or nourishment or whatever yeah that's that's the kind of cows are my fourth favorite animal so you've really you've hit the nail on the head I love the cows out here yeah you just have massive like citizen of the earth vibe I don't, I, you know, I'm happy you guys see that. I don't have the skills that you're talking about milking a cow, but you know, <laughs> one, maybe one day. Yeah, you're going to try it now. <laughs> Three years yeah. down the road, you're going to send us that photo too. We'll be like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope so. It's brilliant. All right, Becca. Well, the ending question that we ask all of our guests is what's your astrological sign and how do you relate or not relate to it? I was scared about this one. I am a Gemini moon and sun, and I'm a Leo rising. (laughs) That's so wild. It's wild, right? I know. Oh my gosh. I know. I've been been given this gift that's not a gift. It's a curse. Everyone's afraid of me. But you're so chill. That's what I think. So I, I don't really get it i mean okay gemini's are really curious and that's a flaw that i have like i'll answer spam calls because what what if who could it be you know (laughs) do you do that too yes of course i'm like i can't it's a gift to get a phone call it could be anyone it could be someone who's gonna change my life (laughs) exactly exactly so i get the curiosity thing also apparently we're good at talking to like a lot of variety of different people mm-hmm. and I find that if I'm left alone in a bar like let's do it mm-hmm. let's who's there I'll blend to them so I feel like I'm very malleable in spaces so I guess that's a Gemini thing but other than that like I'm I try not to be two-faced and that's what everyone thinks no <laughs> I don't think you got a two-faced bone in your body <laughs> but I, I mean granted like obviously like friends but not like wildly close enough to really know like what you're doing every day but just your vibe in general just I don't know that's wild two Gemini moons and a Leo it's it's wild right yeah yeah it comes I like out Leo in different ways I guess yeah mm-hmm. I guess it depends on the setting yeah that's oh. definitely true mm-hmm. well oh, this has been so Thanks. good <laughs> yeah um, Thank you guys for having me. This is awesome. I've never been on a podcast before. Oh, it was a good one. I feel like this is just probably like the most exciting thing ever. And I'm so glad you could like join us and like talk uh, about what you do. And like, again, like to see a face that you don't really see every day. Mm-hmm. I know. Family. I haven't seen you guys in years. Oh my I God. know. Right. So good. I was really in Richmond. <laughs> where, where can people follow, follow your shenanigans? Where can people follow you in your work? Um, I update my website maybe like five times a year. So it's good to check in on that. But really my Instagram is where I post my most recent stuff and all my thoughts. So it's George with eight underscores. I'm currently talking to George with no underscores, but he won't give it up. So (laughs) (laughs) So queer retrograde listeners everyone message at george on instagram and tell him if we get- becca deserves the handle yeah <laughs> even if it's just like five underscores instead oh i'm aiming to get lower I, it's like i check often 
That's hilarious. Gotta get out, get those underscores out of there. You should see my business card. It's ridiculous. That's that Leo shit. There it is. <laughs> oh my god. It but also the under uh, the underscores. You can't tell how many of them there are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I have to in parentheses. Sometimes I'll have to write eight underscores. It's ridiculous. <laughs> What am I doing? I should just change the name, but no. I'm too I'm too close to George now. I love yeah. it. <laughs> He's about to leave you on red. He's like, my name. <laughs> He's not about it. It's never gonna happen. More power to you. George, I mean, from mm-hmm. But yeah, cool. Well, this is awesome. Good to see you. Good to see you guys and have this awesome conversation about gender photography. Oh yeah. Yes. Right Thank on. you so much for having me. I, I miss you. Yeah. Yeah. I miss you too. Have fun in the Vegas. Shit.